You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hey y'all, my voice is shaky only because I'm excited. Um, I'm also really excited because before we sat down, my sound engineer, Nick, told me, hey, you know, I'm glad there's no camera in front of me because I might be beat red when you're talking about this topic. So the topic today is BDSM and talking about all things relationships and, you know, all of our favorite topics here on Tigris. As all of you know, for the last few episodes, I've been exploring a lot of curiosities that I've had around pleasure and polyamory and just like sex in general. I think one of the things that I feel like I'm still grappling with is the feeling of guilt after I pleasure myself. And I think that's something that's so rooted in patriarchy and a lot of shit that I grew up with and like a lot of trauma. And I found it super healing to have these conversations. And as y'all know, Tigris is the unhinged, unapologetic, pretty unedited podcast where we talk about all the things that might be deemed uncomfortable otherwise. So today I'm joined by a very, very special friend of mine, but also someone who is a dom herself, <laughs> Kim, who is the founder of Omsom, which is very spicy, like literally like tasteful spices, which you can talk to more about, but also is a dom herself. So Kim, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. What a great, what a great little introduction you just gave to me. So <laughs> I'll let you introduce yourself more because I feel like I know you're a dom, right? But yes. like when you introduce yourself, you're like, okay, professionally, my, your job is your company. I yes. would love for you to say a little bit about that. But then also like, what is that other side of you that you're also very public about? Yeah. Okay. So actually, if I can kind of derail this for a little bit, yes. my goal for 2021 was actually integration. And what I mean by that is actually tying together my professional personal life. Because I think mm. oftentimes people phrase and pose it like, oh, this is who I am in my vanilla life. And this is who I am in my kinky life. And I think that 
compartmentalization is actually bolstered by the patriarchy. So part mm. of my work is showing up as all of me all of the time. So Love. I am Kim Pham, the co-founder of Omsom, a proud and loud Asian food brand all about reclaiming and celebrating Asian flavors and stories. And I am Kim Pham, also known as Mommy, um, a trained dominatrix of five years now. Um, wow. And I actually see those two parts of me as super complementary. They feed one another and they all kind of fall under this umbrella of like, how do I be unapologetically myself as a queer woman of color? Let's unpack some of the terms that you just used. So I feel like when people hear BDSM, probably the majority, at least of my peers, immediately think of Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh like that's the only education that they have of it. Right. Or, and then the word dominatrix too, I feel like is, there's a lot of misinformation about it. So totally. what does, what is a dominatrix? What does that mean to you? Yeah. So. I think like there's a couple things we have to define here. So kink, I think, is, a, is the larger umbrella under which kind of non-normative types of play fall under. So that can include fetishes, that can include mm. BDSM, which for me is ultimately about consensual, ethical power exchange. So within BDSM, um, which I believe is like bondage, DS, dominant, submissive, masochism, I very much enjoy the DS play, which is dominance slash submissive. And for me, my journey into recognizing my female dominance is intimately tied to my own journey as a founder, where I think for so long I have internalized a lot of the messages that Asian women in particular mm -hmm. are given through porn, through media, through movies, which is your femininity, your sexuality is to be harvested and reaped by others. Mm. And when you look at actually history, that is absolutely bolstered through kind of the colonialism and imperialism that Western forces have held over many Asian countries. And for a lot of folks, kind of post-opium wars, for a lot of Western communities, sorry, their first um, engagement with Asian women in particular or Asian women's bodies was through the sex trade post-opium wars and the war, kind of the world kind of opening up. And so that has absolutely kind of continued throughout the years up until, you know, little Kim starting, you know, to start having sex and you know, I love my parents. They're super sex positive in many ways, but they weren't super kind of educated about this mm -hmm. sort of stuff. So when I started playing, I kind of just internalized the messages that like, oh, I think I'm supposed to be submissive or at least like quiet or I think I'm straight. And so therefore I have to let like men kind of treat me this way and bend me this way. And I have mm -hmm. to look and sound this way during play. And it wasn't until like starting Omsom, which as you know, starting a business like fucks your whole life up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of decided to really examine that and realize like, hmm, I'm actually... I think I'm a super, 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 super dom leaning switch. Mm. And so as I started to kind of like un, you know, unlearn and begin this journey into becoming a dom, I realized, man, I've slept with a lot of shitty doms in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I owe it to myself and to my partners to not be a shitty dom. So what did that mean? I wanted to go like take classes. I wanted to train from pro doms. I wanted to really just like truly understand what it's like to be an ethical dom. Because I think that word dom is thrown a lot, around a lot. I think a lot of cishet men are like, oh, I'm a dom. I smack women and choke them. Ugh. Fifty shades, yeah, right? Yeah. And that is a very specific sort of domination. That is not all domination. I think my like goal right now is to show people that there are multitudes that can exist within play. It doesn't have to just look one way. And for me, BDSM is just like the most fun playground to be able to honestly like understand yourself, begin to connect. Um, and heal, frankly, with others through ethical consensual power exchange. One of the questions that I had for you is like, when does, I mean, I, I sort of consider sex 
any form of sex, some sort of power exchange mm. of like someone was initiating it, even if it's, it changes throughout that, you know, sexual interaction, like someone's leading it, someone's not. When does sex or like that practice become BDSM where is, is it measured by like an extreme imbalance of power? Is it measured by the fact that it's a fictitious difference of power that you're playing into? Like how, when does like, you know, I think yeah. fun dom sub sex become, this is an intentional practice of BDSM. Yes. So I would push back on you and I actually don't think all sex is power exchange. I think some sex yes. can just be play. Like mm. one of my um, kind of like mistresses once taught me, she was like, Kim, all, all sex is like, well, all, sorry, all kink is, is childhood play with adult sexual privilege. Mm. She was like, we used to, when we were children, like, I'd be like, I'd meet you in the playground. I'd be like, Nadia, I'm a cop. You're a robber. Go. And we yeah. would create these little worlds that we wouldn't even think twice about. And she was like, over time, as we become adults, we pack on insecurity, ego, trauma, pain. And so by the time we show up as adults and then we try and play, we have like all the stuff that's blocking us. She's like, all kink is, is like that same sort of like childhood play, but now with like orgasms and wacky pokey proddy things. <laughs> and I really love that view of play yeah. because then it allows me to view that it's not always about power exchange. For me, BDSM is a very particular practice. What I mean by that is that if I am to engage in BDSM, there's negotiation, there's a, which is like a very formal practice like an um, intense conversation. Okay. Um, I can, I'm happy to talk about it. It's like a whole, okay. whole thing. <laughs> so there's negotiation, then there's the scene, and then there's aftercare. It's something that's intentional all the way through. You know exactly what you're doing. It's really clear who does what. It's, it's a, a defined thing. And I think there are a lot of folks who are new to BDSM who are like, oh, I do BDSM by like tying down my partner, and that's what that is. And I'm like, that can be. But for me, I'm really intent on teaching folks like BDSM is a practice mm. and there are like, there's an art to the practice. So in your journey, you started Omsom how many years ago? Like we launched in 2020, but I've been working on it since 2019. Okay. Yeah. And, but you've been a dom for longer, like went yeah. to dom school before that. Yeah. Okay. That was basically long story short. I got out of a really wonderful, but really vanilla relationship of three years. Wonderful human being. I have no bad things to say about that person. But I think I got out of that and was like, holy shit, I don't know who I am. Because sometimes you get in relationships that like consume you. And I literally remember sitting in my moleskin and writing, okay, let's write down everything that I think I know about myself and determine literally line by line whether or not that's truly mine and whether it was like inherited or given to me by society. So as part of that, I was like, I'm straight. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't think I am. Okay. I think I'm queer. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm submissive. And I was like, ooh. I don't know. And like literally through that process wow. led me to like becoming a dom, starting Omsom, like learning and recognizing my queerness. Like all of that happened at the same time. And that's no surprise to me. That's no coincidence. So what is dom school? <laughs> so it's not really like a dom school. There are like specific yeah. programs. Um, but I actually trained at a house um, in Brooklyn where it's a pro dom like house where they take sessions, um, but they um, train apprentice apprentices. Mm. So I did a little apprenticeship, kind of learned a lot of things, took a ton of classes, did like a couple weekend intensives. And through that process realized, oh my God, everything that I thought I knew about BDSM is so wrong. Yeah. Because like the majority of the work, the hard work for me was less about like, here's how to use a strap on. Yeah. It was less about the wacky pokey proddy things. The first, I would say like half of my becoming a dom was really understanding my feminine power, understanding the persona that I become when I am in dom space, um, 
aftercare, negotiation, like all of that stuff was way more important to me than like, here's how you do cock and ball torture, which I love by the way, but it's not like the main thing that I like wanted to get from that experience. Like super intentional. And yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that was really eye opening for me when we first talked was I always kind of associated the word like dominatrix as honestly like a profession, right? Like you are paid by clients to play this role with them. But I remember talking to you for the first time and you were like, oh, but I'm also a lifestyle dom. And you were telling me all the ways that it fed into your, your relationship life, but also your, your relationships, your work life. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Like how is you being a dominatrix or mommy now? How is that manifesting in a professional setting, like being paid for that like value that you give versus like where does this show up in your everyday life? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, the the term dom for me is something that I, I feel deeply in my bones that it can absolutely be a profession. And I want to clarify really quickly. I'm not a sex worker. Yeah. I have deep and immense respect for sex workers. Always listen to sex workers first and foremost, particularly queer people of color um, who do incredible, incredible sex work. They are the only reason I'm here today. But for me, I think I wanted to access my feminine power. Yes. For play and for sex and for orgasms. Yes, yes, yes. Always. Right. Yeah. But for me, I actually think it was like a fundamental rewiring of really shitty things that I've internalized my whole life as an Asian woman. Mm -hmm. And I think the best thing that DS has given me and my training and my work now still with submissives and pets is I, I, it's just like this immense empathy Mm because that is the heart of domination. People think domination is about control and taking, and it is on the surface, right? But what it's really at, at the most crux, like the heart of it all is like intense curiosity, listening, empathy, because what I do with a submissive is not like, you're going to do exactly what I want today. That's what I may sound like. What I'm actually doing through negotiation and through kind of all that, even pre-negotiation is building an intimate relationship trying to build understanding, trying to see them fully and understand like, okay, what does submission to them look like? Cause no DS is not the same for everyone, right? Like some folks submission could be super physical. Like I have pets who are like six, four firefighters who are like veterans. And they're like, you know, I have never, I've always been an alpha in my life in a, in a big, tall man, buff, et cetera. And so for them, submission is like, I really want to be physically restrained. I want to feel small. And then for other folks, submission is a total mental thing. It's like, hey, actually, like, I, I don't really want to be hurt. I don't really want to be restrained. I don't really care too much for the physical. For me, I actually want to be, let's just say, like, used as a service sub. Like, I want to do your dishes or do your laundry, and I want to care in a way that I felt like I haven't had access to. So when, once I realized there's no one-size-fits-all, it became this really rewarding human connection thing. And that is what I love about being a dom is like, yes, the monkey pokey probably thinks is fun. Um, but I just get to like meet humans and see them fully and create space, particularly for folks who may not be able to access softness or weakness in their day-to-day lives that I get to create the space for that. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save money on your insurance? Of course you would. After all, who wouldn't love a great deal, right? And when it comes to great rates on insurance for all of the things in your life, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners, condo, or renters coverage. You could save even more with a special discount when you bundle your coverages. Plus, add the easy-to-use GEICO mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And choosing to switch to GEICO becomes an easy choice. Switch to 
today and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent and get started seeing how much you could save. This show is part of the pro-democracy podcast coalition. I think most of us agree that in a functioning democracy, the winner should be determined by the voters. Well, that almost didn't happen in 2020. Now extremists are working to intimidate and replace nonpartisan election workers with quote unquote, yes men who might reject election results. The only thing that will stop them is us. We partnered with the grassroots pro-democracy organization, Represent Us, to give you the tools you need to protect free and fair elections. Learn more and get involved. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. Before we move on to my next question, because I have many, um, what is a pet? Um, so different doms have different honorifics. Yeah. So again, like one, no, no, you know, one size fits all. So for my honorific, I used to be goddess when I first okay. started my journey, but now I'm mom. Is that like a name? Yes. Your okay, honorific okay. is like your title that you've earned. I Got feel. it. Um, so I used to be goddess and now I'm mommy. It feels much better. And then your subs also have titles. So, okay. you know, some folks like slave, for example, I personally think master and slave is like kind of gross and 2022. So I personally don't use that term. Um, so I prefer like pets or pups, like, yeah. or little boys, like little things that just want to cute. Care like, I want a I pet. <laughs> They're so cute. They're so cute. Okay. And you've kind of been talking about like the different phases of this, right? The negotiation yeah. and then the aftercare. It actually reminds me of a lot of studying that I did a couple of years ago around transformative justice, where it mm. also has this like really formal like right. process and phases. And it really is rooted in trying to create a rehabilitative like healing space and right. a lot of like unlearning and learning. Oh, wow. And that's kind of what I was thinking about in the back of my head. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about honestly, the, the negotiation part, because yeah. I think that one of the things that I've been really reflecting on in my own like upbringing and understanding sex and my body has been like the lack of teaching around consent, right? Whether it be yeah. like in school, we're not taught about consent. We're taught about being a good bystander. Like we're accepting that mm. sexual assault is going to happen. But and then, you know, you kind of get into pl like playing, having sex, like when I was 16. And I remember just being like, do I ask? Do they ask? Yeah. Oh, they're not asking. But I guess I'm moving and I'm not yeah. saying no, you know. So I'm curious, oh, like, so real. I'm really excited to honestly hear about the negotiation part, because to me, I'm like, oh, this seems like such a formal, formal way of asking yeah. consent. Right. I, it, it is like at its most kind of like core definition, it is. But I think when you see like truly experienced doms do it it's it's like magic it like yeah. flows like water so negotiation is basically where you negotiate what's about to happen in the scene right and scenes for the most part unless you're in like a lifestyle sort of uh, engagement there's a start and a stop mm. and an end and then there's aftercare so for me negotiation is like the most fun part I'm an extrovert I I'm also a triple water sign and a cancer so I love <laughs> like hearing humans but for me negotiation I think is the most fun because very rarely are you like, what do you want me to do to you, Nadia? Because if, yeah. if, if you were even asked me that, I'd be like, you know, that's yeah. so intense. So what I enjoy is kind of like the emotional kind of like fluffy, fun, sexy part. So oftentimes it's just like, I want to hear, you know, about previous experiences with BDSM that have been like enjoyable for you. What do you definitely not like? What have you seen on porn recently that's kind of caught your eye? Yeah. Like if it's a Tuesday night and it's 11 p.m. you crawl into bed, what are the top three searches that you're looking for? And it's this, it's like softer. It's just a little bit, it's just good questions, yeah. right? And through that, I'm able to find quickly, be able to understand like, okay, you know, I'm starting to get a feel that this person maybe feels a little bit shy, but they're interested in 
you know, they actually enjoy being like restrained. There's something around bondage and lack mm -hmm. of movement. Okay, like let me dig a little further. Then it's like, oh, is it the actual kind of physical restraint where you want to feel small and tight and little? Or is it more just like the mental, you know, aspect of knowing that you can't do anything? Like yeah. where is that joy rooted? Because for different people, it's different things. And through that negotiation, then I'm able to be like, okay, thank you so much for sharing. You know what? It's kind of, you know, it'd be kind of delicious for me is if the scene folded out this way. So maybe you start on your hands and knees in the living yeah. room, then we'll have you crawl into the bedroom. That would make you feel small, wouldn't it? And it's, <laughs> and it's like little things like that where you kind of just start to be able to flush out the scene. Yeah. And, and it, while still retaining the power, the power of I'm dominant and you're doing exactly what I want, but I've done the pre-work and hopefully you as a submissive yeah. have shown up as yourself wholly to kind of be able to co-create the scene together, even though I seem to be at power. And then through that negotiation, you literally run through the whole scene where you're like, this is what we're going to do. And it's not, you know, like ABC, but you're yeah. kind of walking through the scene and then maybe someone might push back and be like, hey, actually, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that would work with me. And then another very vital part of negotiation is literally like all the non-sexy stuff. So you're talking limits, you're talking injuries. Mm. Do you want marks? Okay, if you want marks, permanent or not t-shirt or you know long sleeve like where do you want those marks to show what names are you okay with being called what names are you not okay with being called mm. are there any triggering um situations that i should know about um do you want to be degraded physically verbally like then comes all the i think like tactical really important very explicit consent yeah. sort of stuff but for me i think it's like the combination of the like the soft scene creation as well as like the hard understanding of limits boundaries etc and that for me is like a full 360 negotiation. Yeah. And for you, is it also advocating for like what you in the dominant position want as well in terms of name calling and things like that? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I that's like kind of always, I think, discussed very early on for me. Yeah. Um, I also discuss aftercare both for the dominant and the submissive because, again, everyone always thinks it's just a submissive who needs aftercare. I have super intense dom drop, especially after intense I don't like to use that word because yeah. it's subjective right but like intense scenes that are especially like very physical for me like I like to have aftercare as a dominant as we recenter in ourselves so it's like all of that it's part of negotiation and what what are examples of aftercare I'm thinking like cuddling food yeah <laughs> like, it could be it could be anything yeah. like so it can be physical so some folks like cuddle or shower together dress each other um, it could be quality time. So for me, I it's really important that we go get a meal after yeah. and we talk as friends and as equals, um, even though we know like that's not really the situation. Yeah. Um, it could just be acts of service. You know, um, some of my pets will just make sure my phone's charged or yeah. order me DoorDash, things like that. Um, and it can be however, like whatever you need. Some folks need space. And yeah. That's okay. Like put on some TV and I'll check in with you in 20 minutes. Like yeah. it could be. It's just the most radical communication of like, what are your needs? And that's what I love about BDSM. Yeah. And you mentioned too that you are switch, right? Yes. So does that mean, you know, you're primarily more dom, but in some of those you're asking to be sub? Yeah. So different folks have different definitions for switch. Um, so for me, I rarely switch with the same partner. Okay. Um, and I am very dominant leaning. I think that can change with partner and with time partners and with time, but I have not been submissive in years and I don't foresee that for a yeah. while. So people can be switches for life, but then literally go through periods where they're dom or sub or vanilla. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's literally just like recognizing you can contain multitudes. Yeah. Do you think at this point, like being dominant or even, you know, sexual in this way is like a part of the 
life phase you're in right now? Or is it like, Mm. this is a part of my identity. This is never going away. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know. I think for me personally, it's, I just can't see my life being any other way. I feel like I woke up in many ways, like, you know, starting OMSOM and, and undergoing this journey. Do I think I'm always going to be like the top that I am now? No, maybe not, but I don't really care to like put an end date to it. You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to rock with it. And then when it doesn't feel. There's not an end part to the scene right now. Yeah. No end to the scene right now. (laughs) And if you don't mind me asking, obviously you can reject any question. How does this like, what does this look like in your relationship life right now? Right. Like, is this all casual sex? Mm. Like, you know, intentional casual sex. Yeah. How are you meeting these people? Yeah. Or like, do you have, you know, long-term relationships and partners now? Yeah. I think a big part of my journey has been even reconfiguring the idea of play. Cause yeah. I, I think growing up in heteronormative societies, like sex equals penetration. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And I think BDSM has blown open my understanding of play where yeah. I, most of my pets, I actually do not have penetrative sex with mm-hmm. many of my pets. I'm not even naked. It's for me, it's truly a mental yeah. supplemented and complemented with physical. And so, yeah, for me, those are almost two separate questions of like, you know, Kim as mommy and then like Kim as having sex. Like they can be there. It's a a diagram, right? Yeah. Um, But things that are important to me now, I'm non-monogamous. So all partners that come into my life in a serious way, I think have to be kinky in some way. They don't have to be submissive. They don't even have to engage in BDSM. But I think non-normative play and understanding of that is just a deal breaker for me now. Yeah. I think it didn't used to be. And now that it's, it is. Um, and I really do enjoy like DS sessions with folks that are on a more casual level. Again, I'm not having penetrative yeah. sex with most of them. Um, it's just literally like fun for me. I get to sharpen my skills. I get to hang out with humans that I adore um, and create a space for healing and joy for them. And then I have a handful of pets who have been with me for a long time um, in a non-sexual way at all, but they just enjoy serving me in different ways. And they're wonderful human beings that I adore. Like all these people, I don't play with any, again, I'm very lucky. This is such a privilege to say. I don't play with anyone where I don't have chemistry and connection. That is an absolute privilege to say as a dom. Um, But I'm just in that stage where of my life where I can kind of afford that. Where does like romance and like the emotions behind this fall into it? Yeah, it's hard. It's something I'm still understanding for myself because there are people that I meet in a dating capacity who the second I tell them I'm a dom, they immediately sexualize me and it mm. stops them from understanding or seeing me in a, a full way. They're just like, because society has associated BDSM with like dirty and dark and not someone I can introduce to my mom type mm. energy. And then there are people that I meet in a BDSM context who have, you know, totally fair enough, internalized shame around their submission that they could not imagine me in their vanilla life. Yeah. And so even though I'm integrated in, in my life, I find that it's been difficult for me to find kind of long-term primary partners that also are integrated in the same way. So I'm still kind of like wrangling it and understanding it myself. Um, but I just do know that if I, if I want a primary, they have to be kinky. It's just, so you don't have a primary right I now. do not okay. have a primary right Got now. Got it. Yeah. And is that something like you're open to or looking for? Is that something, you know, you're not yeah. interested in right now? I'm open to it. I don't like to force anything. Yeah. You know, whatever rocks my way will come yeah. my way. <laughs> I just kind of imagine like for someone to be vulnerable with you and that trust and the intimacy, like how could they not fall in love with you or just like <laughs> have that close connection to you, right? Yeah. 
I mean, I think there are a lot of people who are perhaps infatuation with me yeah. because I have perhaps solved something for them that they've been seeking their whole life. Or that you've unlocked some sort yes. of desire that it's hard for them to find anywhere else. Yeah. But I very, like very few of those folks see me like in partnership with them mm. of like, we're going to build this empire together. They're kind of like, oh my God, I have never met a dominant woman who is down to do X, Y, Z. And I'm kind of like, cool. But yeah. like, there's so much more to me as well. I'm really glad that I can create that space for others, but that's not like the only part of me. Yeah. So that's been kind of interesting to navigate. Well, and I know there's apps like Field, right? Yes. Is that is that primarily or like some like a tool, not a tool. I don't want to say a tool, but like a way that yeah. you're able to meet people and stuff. Yeah, it's been mostly I mean, obviously because of pandemic less yeah. IRL. Um, but Field is my favorite. Yeah. Um FetLife is also great, although like super web 1.0. <laughs> but like if you're kinky, you're on FetLife in some way. And I've met some really incredible humans there. Yeah. Um, and then also like part of me, part of this integration work is I show up as myself in every space. Parties, on Instagram, my parents know I'm like this. Yeah. And so if you're down to ride with that and you fuck with that and we meet IRL, like that's cool too. Yeah. I don't have to just meet you through an app. What was your easier. parents' reaction? <gasps> I, I've i never explicitly like sat down and had a conversation. Yeah. like, hi, mom and dad, I'm a dom. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they follow me on Instagram. They like all my stuff. I think- all they ever want for me is to be my true self. They've always advocated for my individuality since day one. And they're also kind of weirdos in their own way. Yeah. And so I think I think they're really proud that I'm truly firmly yeah. in my skin. Do they want to know all the stuff that I do? No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's not enjoyable for them as Vietnamese refugees. Um, but I, I think they are proud to see me like own it in like a full and real way. I just find like, I mean, it'd be fascinating to like do content with you and your parents because oh it just feels so radical for them, especially as Vietnamese refugees to be so accepting. Like it's beautiful, right? Like, I mean, I was disowned by my grandparents, my maternal grandparents um, several months ago. And a lot of it was like the cultural dissonance yeah. of like, what does it mean if you're pansexual? Mm. What are you sharing with the world? Why are you posting that? Mm -hmm. That's what you choose to do with a degree. Yeah. So I just find it, I, it's really refreshing and like beautiful that you have parents who like, are your, even your internet fans <laughs> as a public dom, you know? Yeah. I mean, I just feel like I'll take anything, right? Yeah. And Do they talk about their sex life to you? No. And no. <laughs> I'm kind of okay with that right yeah. now. Um, but I grew up in like a strangely sex positive household yeah. in the sense that like, my parents own their sexuality. Like yeah. they're hot, which was like a weird thing. Yeah. Which now I view as like kind of radical. Like my father's literal phone screensaver is his six pack abs. It's literally like. Oh, his own. His own. It's like a headless torso, like classic Tinder like profile of his six pack. And I remember being mortified. So they're hot as like, they're objectively they're, hot. They they feel attractive and they own their attractiveness. Mm. And I used to be so embarrassed by that. Like my mom has double D implants. Yeah. And always dress like hot. And I remember just being mortified. And now I look back and I'm like, as Vietnamese refugees who came here in the 70s, as Asian people, Southeast Asian people, mm. for them to feel sexy in their own skin is fucking radical. And I can radical. learn so much from that. And once I like unlocked that learning, I'm like, yeah, I will look like th I literally wore this to work today. I wear this to investor meetings. Like my investors who follow me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, they see my stuff. Like 
but it if you if you ruck with Omsom's proud and loud view of Asian Americana, then you have to understand that it comes from this. I mean, you're the creative visionary. Yeah. Right? yeah. And like Vanessa's also proud and loud in her own ways too. And I just think you can't, you don't get to compartmentalize like how we yeah. as founders show up, you know? I feel like that's, I mean, that's honestly so healing for me to hear too, because I think a lot of where this podcast started from was I, you know, I got out of a part of my career where I was, I felt a lot of pressure to be like a nonprofit darling. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. it's the nature of working in nonprofits of like, I have totally. to be fundable and not fundable, like not oh, investable, yeah. fundable as in like someone's giving me no strings attached money. Yeah. And so I need to be this like very polished darling, like watch what I say, how I dress, totally. like what I talk about. And I think like part of Tigress is like trying to figure out who I am. Yeah. Honestly, after kind of growing up in that this like public toxic girl boss way. Totally. And I think that that's been, you know, also really healing for me. I'd be curious to know like more specific ways of like how coming into this honestly like this version I don't want to even say if version's the right word but like this deeper level of yourself how that has like specifically affected your career right yeah. whether it be in creativity in yeah. being bold and asking for what you want in your work yeah thank you for sharing that <sighs> they feel so tied like I can't mm -hmm. even divorce them um I think it's given me greater empathy and ability to listen which I think as a leader has been transformative for me yeah it's definitely also like unlocked creativity. Like absolutely like a huge part of my job is literally creating scenes. Mm. And scenes, I'm not not only am I just thinking about the things that I have to do, right? I'm also like layering on top, okay, like what sort of tone do I want to take? Do they respond well to hell and brimstone? Or do they respond well to like softness and like coyness? Um, you know, oftentimes I'm doming folks in spaces that are not my home. So it's like, okay. There's this, uh, there's a class I did that was, it's called like Mistress MacGyver, where you like learn how to, all right, like if I'm in this room, what can I use to like restrain oh, wow. someone or like in initiate fear or initiate int um, like intimidation, like, all right, these cords, like what can I do with these cords? Or like, oh, this, this light's interesting. Can I use it to shine it on them and make them feel naked? And like, wow. it's, it, that sort of like on your feet thinking has really kind of sharpened my skills as a creative. And that's what I, it's a, it's the biggest challenge with domination. Sometimes it becomes really easy to like play a role. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck, I got to like do this thing and act this way and sound this way. And for me, it's like, how do I sit in my skin as Kim Pham and like use all that I have around me to still be mommy, but just in different okay, iterations. And like that has absolutely contributed to the work that I do with Omsom on content, on brand and creative. Yeah. Like it, it's all the same thing. It all comes from the same place. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm already a huge fan of Omsom, but I feel like talking to you and like hearing kind of the magic of how you think about it gives me a deeper appreciation Aww, for it of like oh this is why like <laughs> the boldness and the excitement yeah. so when we first met like I maybe like last year yeah um you were not as public on social media about not. this about being a dom yeah like this was not something you were on TikTok or Instagram yeah. about talking about I remember stalking on Instagram being like oh my gosh I love her brand mm. but this was not a public yeah. thing so when when was the kind of public emergence of Kim as mommy and like what spurred that? There wasn't like a moment, but honestly, like you were a huge part of it. Like you oh, live and breathe. And like, I'm yeah. so like every time I open TikTok or Instagram, I'm like, holy shit. Like you just push me to keep showing all of me. And I just, I think it was honestly the culmination of like seeing other badass women of color, like own their shit. Yeah. And then also, honestly, it was like DMs. Like whenever I, I post, I used to post occasionally on like Instagram story about like going to BDSM events or like learning Shibari ties and all of that. 
And then I, my DMs would literally be like Asian women being like, oh my God, I've been exploring with my partner. And I'm like, this is so much more than I, th I thought I was like a weirdo. Like I've always been a weirdo, but like I just thought that, oh, maybe a very small percentage likes this sort of stuff. And then it just made me realize like when I started getting all these DMs, like, wow, actually this is a black box. BDSM is a black box. For most people who don't like, aren't super involved into the, in the sex work community or aren't actively like putting their hand up and going to munches and BDSM events, like the only exposure is like 50 shades of gray and porn. Yeah. And I was like, I cannot have all these young people going around with only these two things as their modes of like inspiration. Like there's so much more to BDSM that is joyful and healing. That isn't just porn and 50 shades. And so yeah. I was like, fuck it. I have a bit of martyr energy. I was like, fuck it. I'll take the L I'll, <laughs> I'll take the L publicly. If it means that there are Asian women who can advocate yeah. for themselves if there are doms who can understand like oh to be dominant doesn't just mean I have to put on latex and chains I mean I do like that shit but um <laughs> like latex and chains to dominate like you can engage in BDSM in so many different ways that can be so joyful and I just I wanted it to be less of a black box and yeah. so that's why I was like all right I'm just gonna do it like full send here we go and then yeah then TikTok kind of started taking off for me and that's when I realized again people need this information so in an accessible way. Yeah. I think a lot of the information is like either kind of locked away in sex work communities, fair enough, or it's like mainstream, super muddled, incredibly messy, and frankly misinformed a lot of it. There's so many misconceptions that are perpetuated by like pop culture. And I was like, okay, there's gotta be like a middle ground of someone who has had the immense privilege and platform that I do have, but also has like cut her teeth and like honestly earned my stripes in doing this. Yeah. That I can, I don't know, I feel like there's no one I have to do it. There's no other way. What do you think the biggest miss, like piece of misinformation is about BDSM? I literally have a TikTok series on this. <laughs> and it's three parts now because there's so many misconceptions. The biggest one is you must love hurting people. Mm. It is the most reductive way of viewing DS. It's the most reductive way of viewing power and control that it's about hurt. And I'm like, I'm so full of love for humans, which is why I dominate them. Yeah. Like I tell the story all the time. I have been a feminist my whole life. My whole life, I've been like, patriarchy fucks women over. Yeah. Fuck patriarchy. It was not until I became a dom that I was like, oh my God, the patriarchy also fucks men over. And I started yeah. to see that in a real way because I would have male identifying submissives come to me and be like, I am given zero room for feminine expression in my life, my whole life. I've had to be the tallest, the biggest, the biggest dick, the strongest, the most, you know, financially stable. Da -da 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 -da. And by the patriarchy creating so much pressure and expectations for them that kind of robbed them of space for softness, for weakness, mm. for submission, which is seen as negative and bad. And I'm like, man, I, I see you so fully and I love you. Not like love, but you know, I love yeah. you and I want to create space for you to like access that. And that is why I dominate. Like, yes, yeah, sometimes it is through the occasional pain or impact play, but that's not the heart of it. The heart of it is creating space for someone to find something that brings them joy that can be pain, but that's not the heart of it. And so people must like, I get it all the time. Like you're just like a man hater. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's a separate, that's a separate yeah. conversation. Um, but as it relates to BDSM and impact play in, you know, it's, it's actually so full of love and joy. It just, it sounds like so much trust and like the negotiation yes. piece, like yes. it does it. Like, I think the more I learn about it from you and also from other reading is just like, it's, it's like the ultimate form of if every societal 
you know, misconception mm. was not watching us and we were not judged, what would this look yeah, like? You know? exactly. So where can people find you and follow you? Yes, you can find me um, at Kim of the Internet on Instagram and TikTok and then just KimFam.org. You want to check out my site. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, boo. This was so fun. Oh, my gosh. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.